Hello, and welcome to Homegrown KC, a podcast dedicated to exploring Kansas City's fascinating history and sharing stories from a church past. I'm your host, Laura. Join me today as we explore a piece of Kansas City's history. Hello, friends. Uh, Before we dig into today's episode, I have a couple of non-podcast-related things that have been going on in the world I wanted to speak on. First, also, um, sorry for the delay on this episode. It's a week later than I wanted to get it out. It's been a really busy month helping my mom get moved out of her place, and then we had Father's Day and my niece's birthday, and there was a weekend where it rained all weekend, and I was like, great, I really need a couch weekend, so that was a couch potato, and it was amazing. Anyways, um, guess what? Just a few days ago, actually, the Supreme Court passed a ruling on Brakeen versus Holland. If you want to know the details of this case, I suggest you listen to the podcast This Land. It's incredibly well done and extremely informative. Um, but they actually were supposed to rule on it last summer and didn't, so I've been, like, waiting a year to hear about this. Um... I really hope that now that the case is concluded, the show will produce a third season to wrap it up. Like I said, it's a really good show. Okay, so the good news, the great news, is that the Burkeens lost their case. And that's great news because if they had won, it would have dismantled ICWA, which is the Indian Child Welfare Act. This prioritizes the adoption of Native American and indigenous children with their extended family first, then their tribe, or another tribe over a non-tribal family. And it's really important because it's preserving the culture. Um, Also, super stuffy today, so I'm sorry about that. I don't think um, that I discussed the case in my Evil Isms episode, but I definitely discussed everything that ICWA was created in response to. You know, um, the federal government's attempt at cultural genocide of Native American tribes primarily through forcible removal of children from their families, sending them to, quote, a boarding school, a.k.a. a prison camp, to, quote, assimilate them to white Christian American culture. Uh, All this did is result in trauma and abuse. Now, okay, there is a little bit of nuance, um, as I discussed with Andrew, because they had the uh, nationwide exhibit come through about the federal boarding schools. There is some... uh, nuance. It's not all evil, okay? Like, 90 plus percent of that was a bad idea. Yeah. So, uh, I'm really excited to hear about the case being decided in favor of the tribes and Dikwa, and I'm, I know that all the tribal governments are even more excited. Okay, um, one other thing, actually, I was gonna speak on this first, and then this, you know, case was announced. <sighs> Getting so tired of the gentrification within our city. It's really starting to piss me off. First of all, they keep tearing down these old buildings in the crossroads in Midtown. And now even the plaza, they're going to tear down the 7th Street Adventist Historic Church to build a new restaurant, of all things. They're tearing down all these old buildings to build apartments. And yes, we need more housing in Kansas City, but you know, economically and environmentally, it's much better to preserve and renovate old buildings rather than tear them down and to build a new one. There have been multiple studies on this. 
there's scientific data to back it up. I'm going to pause you for a second because I've got the pups in here and they want out. All right. They're probably going to be in and out throughout this. Um, so they're tearing down these buildings. And then they're promising, oh, so much of this new building will be, you know, for... What's the word I'm looking for? It'll be uh, for affordable housing. We'll have so many units. And then, like, of everything that they're promising, it's like maybe one out of uh, ten are, quote, affordable. And personally, I don't consider the prices that they say are affordable actually affordable. Um, so there's a place... It's actually, I guess, I think it's technically downtown and it's called three light. There's already a one light and a two light and they're marketing themselves as luxury apartments. So at least they ain't lying about the price, but I looked this up on their website. A studio is a minimum of $15,000. Oh, sorry. That's way off. <sighs> Calma's in the wrong spot. Um, a studio is a minimum of $1,500. A two-bedroom will be $8,000. What the ever-loving fuck? Excuse my language. If you can afford $8,000 a month in rent, why are you living in a tiny two-bedroom apartment? Okay. Maybe living in downtown Kansas City is your dream. It's the only thing that you want. Okay, fine. You do you. That's a hell of a lot of money. I could do a lot with $8,000 of rent a month. That's just rent. That's not utilities, food, gas, electrics, all that other stuff. And, okay, so I looked up, like I said, I looked this up on their website, and it's 14,000 square feet is the two-bedroom. I was like, how much is square feet in? Like, I need something physical for people to visualize, because 14,000, I'm like, I don't know how much that actually is. Still couldn't find a good comparison, but it's considered a small apartment. So why are you spending $8,000 on it? That's just, I cannot get over that. Um, but we're really sent off by rant here. What set me off was I read, it was like two weeks ago now. Oh, actually, I haven't marked my notes. I read this on the 9th, June 9th. The city council is going to meter the entire city. Okay, so... Downtown metered street parking has been there for well over a decade. Okay, fine. They uh, have a couple of parking lots you can pay at, or now that we have the streetcar, you know, you had free parking elsewhere, you could just hop on the streetcar. Uh, streetcar, sorry. Easy peasy. Um, I, th I feel like Union Station parking used to be free. Anybody else? Um, it's not, for, the, for a few years at least. It's it, You have to pay to park in the lot. Um. The Crown Center parking was free after five or on weekends up until last year. Not anymore. Eh, maybe two years ago. Definitely last year was when they added metered parking to the entirety of River Market. Now the only free lot is actually across the bridge. Um, yeah, so now they're saying they want to do the entire city. They're going to start with, uh, what was it, Crossroads and Westport. So... That is like every shopping center, uh, visitor center, other than the plaza. And on top of this, they keep saying that they want to build a new baseball stadium downtown, which is idiotic, but it's a separate complaint than this one. I'm trying to stay focused on my rants. Um, I just can't get over this. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea, and I'm pissed. I really am. 
hits the rant. Um, I know it's commonplace in America. Okay, so all of you who have been yelling that at me, oh, I live in such and such town and it's always been like that. Okay, don't come at me, bro. I know that it's common in large cities across America, particularly the East Coast. We're not East Coast, okay? We are the Midwest. I, you know, everybody on Twitter was like, oh, it's no big deal. On Instagram, there's, when I saw it that first day, there were over 50 comments within like an hour about how much they hated this plan. A lot of people on Instagram were like, I'm a small business owner. I'm really worried that this means that people are going to park, get out running, and get back in their car and run off, and they're not going to stop and visit the next shop over, which is me or whoever. And I'm like, yeah, that's legit, you know? I probably do that a lot. Um, like my complaints for my personal complaints for this boil down to two. And I think it's pretty encompassing. Yeah. What public transport. Okay. We have extremely limited public transport. Yes. We have the bus system. Yes. We have the streetcar and it's being expanded, which I totally love. However, I'm pretty sure we have way, way more people who live in the suburbs and surrounding cities that come into work and to hang out rather than people who live there. The buses never personally rode one, so I don't have any personal complaints. However, um, having spoken with others who have ridden the bus and read articles uh, fairly recently, I feel like within the last months, I am aware that there are issues with the bus. It's very slow. I've been told that you have to plan at least an hour to get wherever you're going. The streetcar, which I said is being expanded, is only city center, okay? Um, Right now it's from River Market straight through downtown, straight through the crossroads to Union Station, and then it's going to go straight down Main Street. Um, It's... I don't even know, I don't think it's going through Westport at all. If I like touch the edge of Westport, it's going straight to the college campus, which would be great for the college students because parking on that campus sucks. I remember that from my undergrad. Okay. Everybody who lives in the neighborhoods around, anybody who lives uh, Prospect or East, like the expanded streetcar is not going to help them. What would help them is if we could somehow improve the bus system. So we have no other uh, public transit systems like out east, like they have the subways and the light rails. Okay, second issue, money. This is a big one, so it's in multiple parts. Um, Basically, this will be an additional city tax, except it's way steeper than the current tax. Okay, Um, let's estimate $12 a day to park. That's for the whole day. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's uh, maybe on the cheaper end. Five days a week, so it's, we're just going to assume that it's someone who only comes in to the city to work. And yeah, there are a lot of places that are work from home, but uh, more and more people are asking you to come back to the office. Some people never worked from home, like me. During lockdown, I was in the office every day. You are welcome. Okay, so as we get... Where are we at? Where are we at? Okay, five days a week, four weeks a month, 12 months a year. That's almost 3000 extra dollars. That is a lot of money. That's why this is a form of gentrification, because by metering the entire city, you are forcing residents and workers to pay to park, obviously. And you're placing an additional financial strain on them 
especially low-income residents, of which Kansas City still has a lot, despite y'all building all these luxury apartments, they're not going to be able to afford this price. I mean, seriously, our economy kind of sucks right now. How many people do you know who work over 40 hours a week just to make ends meet, or they have more than one job just to make ends meet? Second, where is all the money from this meter going? According to the article, it's not currently earmarked for anything. Uh, suggestions that I saw in the comments, uh, and I agree with all of these, either it needs to go back into the neighborhoods, like if you're metered in uh, Westport, if you're metered in uh, Frack Down, totally blanking, whatever, neighborhood. Um, money needs, should go back into developing that neighborhood in some manner. Um, Used to fix all of our potholes, because we're like almost getting famous for how bad our potholes are. Um, and the best option, I think, is use that money to create other more free, free public transport. Obviously, we're hard up for cash with all the construction projects going on. Not just the apartments. Uh, we have the Greenway, which totally in favor of. That's going to be awesome. The streetcar expansion, as I said, still in favor of. Um... That has actually resulted in the need to replace water lines that are going to be underneath the new tracks. Um, but, you know, once you replace part of a water line, it adds additional pressure to the old part. So you just got to keep replacing. So it's really expensive. It's getting really expensive, y'all. Uh, we have the new soccer system, uh, soccer stadium, correction. Uh, the Rock Island Bridge project, also going to be super cool. The Buck O'Neill Bridge is getting repaired right now and it's completely shut down. Etc. So, construction projects on the one hand, yeah, you know, we're fixing the water main pipes, we're fixing the bridge, like, this is good for the city. But all of these construction projects, all of the fancy new things that we're building, like the stadium, like the apartments, even Rock Island Bridge, major flag for gentrification. And now, okay, this was actually, like, just a few days ago, this past week while I was at work, I saw a post, again, on Instagram from the Kansas City Municipal Government asking for ideas from Kansas Cityans. How are we going to get people from the, our new airport that we just built to downtown during the World Cup in 2026? We're hosting one of the games, if you didn't know. It's a big deal. Okay, so the answers were a range of hilariously sarcastic. Seriously, somebody suggested a zipline. <laughs> somebody else suggested a human cannon. Um, a lot of it, which I have to agree with a bit, was, why did you not think of this before you built the airport, you ignorant swine? <laughs> uh, a lot of people suggested a dedicated metro bus line, extending the streetcar, or a light rail. Everyone who said light rail, yo, I am with you. That would be the best possible answer. However, I do not believe that that is going to be what they choose. Uh, probably difficult, definitely time-consuming, also definitely expensive, as we've already discussed. We're obviously hard up for money. Realistically, I think it'll probably be a bus line, but who knows? They might just be like, okay, we're gonna, you know, let all the taxis get it. Do we even have taxis anymore? My god. Okay, wow, that was 15 minutes of ranting. I did not mean for it to be that long. Y'all are in for a treat today. How about some happy stuff? Let's talk about the podcast. 
it's June. Well, June's almost over. So uh, happy late Pride Month. I hope you had a fun, safe Pride. Uh, Kansas City has a new self-guided driving tour of queer history. It's uh, almost a tongue twister. So the official launch was actually June 3rd. I spoke to the creator, Joel Barrett. Back in May, our conversation was available to listeners for a limited time and is now only available to my Patreon listeners. Um, and I got to meet Joel and his husband in person very briefly at the launch. So um, I planned to take the tour and make that into a mini-sode way before now, but as I said at the top of the show, I had a busy month helping my mom get ready to move. So haven't done that yet. I'm hoping to get to it next week. Uh, I do have a couple more announcements at the end of the show, so please listen all the way through. All right, after 20 minutes, almost 20 minutes, we're finally going to discuss Worlds of Fun. Here we go. Let's let's try that intro again. Are you ready? This is topic three of series seven, Worlds of Fun! Okay, we got this, we got this. We're on track now, y'all. I think you're going to enjoy this one. So, 2023 is Worlds of Fun's 50th anniversary year, and therefore, it is the inspiration for this series. The park opened on May 26, 1973. It was created by Hunt, Lamar Hunt, and his business partner, Jack Stedman. Now, Stedman, I don't think I really talked about when I talked about the Chiefs, Uh, but I did give you a brief bio for Hunt, and I will now give a brief bio for both of these men. So, Lamar Hunt, if you haven't listened to my history on the episode of the Chiefs, which is uh, our Kansas City American football team, please do. It's a fun episode. We really love that football team. Um, I'm still not digging deeply into their history. It's amazingly wild, a little bit chaotic. I love it. I think it's super fascinating. But we're we're just going to talk about the park today and how he's involved in it. So... Until that time, Lamar was born in El Dorado, Arizona on August 2nd, 1932. His father was Haroldson Lafayette Hunt, and his mother was Lida Bucker Hunt. Haroldson was a very successful businessman and oil magnate. Lamar was one of ten children, according to findagrave.com. He had five full-blood siblings and four half-siblings. Hunt was married twice, first to Rosemary Whitler Hunt Carr, she must have been married a couple of times. That's a mouthful. Uh, 1935 to 2001. Um, they married in 1956. After they divorced, he married Norma Lynn Noble Hunt, 1938 to 2023. She just passed away a few weeks ago. Rest in peace. Um, they married in 1964. Rose and Lamar had a son, Lamar Junior, excuse me, and a daughter, Sharon. Norma and Lamar had two sons, Clark and Daniel. So if you've never heard of Sharon and Daniel, don't feel bad, because I don't think many people have. Honestly, I hadn't, especially hadn't heard that he ever had a daughter. Anyways, Hunt, like his father and grandfather, was an excellent businessman, also a sports fanatic. Uh, He, as I spoke about in the Chiefs episode, he owned the Chiefs team, and he basically... uh, created the AFL. So if you want to know how that happened. He and his family moved to Kansas City in, what is this, uh, early 1960s. 
They haven't left since then. They're really involved in the community. They have multiple business interests and ventures, but they also have the Hunt Family Foundation. And I, I feel like there was another foundation, but they give back to the city. So he is chairman of Unity Hunt Inc., which was based in Dallas. And that became known as Hunt Capital Group and is now Hunt Capital Partners. One of their subsidiaries is Hunt Midwest Enterprises, which I will speak on in greater depth later. But Worlds of Fun was created by, managed by, whatever you want to say, Hunt Midwest. So that is how Lamar Hunt is involved in the creation of Worlds of Fun. Um, from what I've read, and there's really not a lot of like what his motivation was, but it just it sounded like he was like, you know what? This seems like a good idea. I've got the money for it. Let's do it. Kind of like just about everything he did. He's like, this sounds like a good idea. Let's go for it. So uh, Jack Stedman, who was Hunt's longtime friend and business partner, he was also deeply involved in the creation of Worlds of Fun. He was born September 14, 1928 in Wardville, Illinois to Walter and Vera Stedman. He went to Baylor University and Southern Methodist University. He met Lamar soon after college when he joined Hunt Oil Company. And during his lifetime, he served as the president, chairman, and or board member for the following corporations and foundations. The Chiefs, Hunt Midwest, Heart of America United Way, Chamber of Commerce of Greater Kansas City, the American Royal Association, Starlight, Children's Mercy Hospital, the Civic Council of Greater Kansas City, and a few others. Stedman died July 5th, 2015. Okay, so again, some Kansas Cityans are going to know this. Uh, for whatever reason, it did not click with me until I started my research. But Worlds of Fun is so named because it is inspired by Jewel Verne's Around the World in 80 Days. And that's even where the symbol of the park comes from. It's a hot air balloon. And in the story, if you've never saw the movie or read the book, uh, the main character, Phineas Fogg, makes a bet that he can circumnavigate the entire planet in 80 days. And all this crazy stuff happens along the way. He has to take multiple forms of transportation. One of them is a hot air balloon. Also, I just saw that there was a TV series in 2021. Uh around the world in eight days, might have to check that out. So because of this, the park is divided into geographical segments, Scandinavia, Africa, Europa, Orient, and Americana. I don't have the exact year, but sometime between 2018 and 2023, Orient was changed to East Asia, which is hella better. Uh, Orient, Oriental, Orientalism, all have negative connotations. So I will, from here on, refer, refer to that segment of the park as East Asia. Side note, I found a really cool website that has a PDF of the map from every single year of the park from 73 to 2018. Uh, might include the links for that on the webpage. So Stedman, dude, this is really cool. This is not all of what he did for the park, but this is like my favorite part of what he did for the park. He was a little bit extra, apparently, and he got some props from MGM, the movie studio for the park. Quote, Henrietta, 
from the movie Around the World in 80 Days. You would cross over the Henrietta as you entered the park, meant to signify that your adventure and trip around the world was starting. Cotton Blossom, a sternwheel riverboat from the movie Showboat that was showcased in Americana. Victrix, from the movie Mutiny on the Bounty, it was showcased in Scandinavia. In addition to the boats, the war wagon used in the World's of Fun uh, Railway was from the classic John Wayne movie True Grit. Sorry, I really can't breathe and I'm starting to get a little bit tongue-tied. The park was designed by Randall Dwell, former MGM studio art director. He also worked on Carowinds, King's Island, King's Dominion, Opryland, and California's Great America. Those are all of their parks. Burns and McDonald did the architecture and engineering. Uh, they are a local uh, firm from Kansas City. Also, J.E. Dunn, another local KC company, was the general contractor. Uh, going to dig into those more in the future someday, I think. But quickly, Burns and McDonald was established by Clinton S. Burns and Robert E. McDonald in 1898, still around today. The uh, Missouri Valley Special Collections has an entire vertical on them, so like I said, going to dig into them someday. J.E. Dunn was founded in 1924 by John Ernest Dunn Sr. Dwell, because he actually designed like everything, so I'll dig into him a little bit more. He's a BFD, big BFD as far as Worlds of Fun is concerned. Uh, Randall was born in a tiny Kansas town of Lurie, Kansas on July 14th, 1903. His father was Louis Franklin Dwell and his mother was Sarah Bell Rogers Dwell. According to findagrave.com, he had three sisters, two of whom died as infants uh, and or died at birth. And Gwendolyn May Dwell Galloway was the remaining sister. He married Rachel Coleman on December 22nd, 1925. No kids mentioned. Quote, As an art director with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, a.k.a. MGM, he was a three-time Academy Award nominee and received screen credit in 38 films, including, uh, we're going to skip that one because I cannot pronounce it, The Postman Always Rings Twice from 1946, Intruder in the Dust, 1949, Singing in the Rain, 1952. He also worked on several motion pictures without film credit, The Wizard of Oz, 1939 being among them. After retiring from MGM in 1959, he developed an architectural group, group R. Dwell, and Associates based in Santa Monica, California, which specialized in the design of theme parks. Combining traditional architecture design with motion picture stagecraft, the firm designed most of the theme parks across the country. Another noted design was the Texas Pavilion at the 1964 World's Fair in New York City. End quote. So, oh boy, amazing. Dude was a big deal. I love all this for the park. And I mean, how excited, how excited would you be to get the top theme park designer in America to design your park? And I may not have made it uh, clear enough in this particular episode, but Lamar Hunt is a BFD, uh, not just 
in Kansas City, like nationally and during his lifetime. So to be honest, I bet you that it was like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Hunt knew X, who knew Y, who was friends with Joel, and connection made. Done. I didn't find anything yet on who did the landscaping for the park. I will continue looking. But I did read in the official press release from 1973, oh, sorry, 76, that the park featured, quote, over 225 varieties of trees, shrubs, and ground cover plants. The plantings contribute to the unique character and authenticity of each of the five themed areas of the park. Each area features a variety of plants which are native to the part of the world the section represents. American pin oaks, European sycamore, African dracana, Norway spruce, and Japanese dogwoods are among the 2,000 transplanted trees. It also said that when plotting the park, they took a lot of care to avoid 100-year-old native oaks and elms. So, excellent. If I manage to visit the park this year, I'm going to try to keep an eye out. Uh, Remember to watch for the plants and see if that's still the case. Construction began in 71. Quote, Worlds of Fun was just the first phase of a larger entertainment complex planned by Hunt and Stedman. They planned to build a, uh, nope, try that again. They originally hoped to build a 500-acre complex that would rival Disneyland and include hotels, venues, shops, and restaurants. Unfortunately, the 1973 oil crisis hit in October of their inaugural season and put a damper on for the developments, end quote. Gotta be honest, a little bit disappointed that we never got big like Disneyland, but on the other hand, Worlds of Fun is not as busy as Disneyland or Disney World. I mean, we might have long lines, but you're going to get to your ride within like 30 minutes, so you're not going to be in line for three or four hour, more hours like you would be in Orlando. Also, you are going to walk your ass off, but it is possible to actually ride everything in the park in one day. Not possible at Disneyland or Disney World. Although, if you have done it at Disneyland or Disney World, I really want to know what your secret is. Like, wow. Um, our park is also way cheaper than either of those. So, I'm just saying, smaller is better. Bigger is not always everything. Okay, that is where we're going to end today's episode. I know we didn't get very far. Trust me, it's actually a good stopping place. Plus, I spent so long talking about other stuff at the beginning. Thank you for joining me as we begin exploring the history of Worlds of Fun. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, I think you will also enjoy topics one and two of this series, that is Electric Park and Fairlane Park. Join me next month as we continue topic three with part two. All right, sources. Uh... Vertical Files from the Missouri Valley Special Collections, findagrave.com, and actually worldsoffun.com. I'll talk about this site more in my next episode, but it is extremely informative. I will have some links on my website, some additional links. Um, Dysfunctland did a video on YouTube on Worlds of Fun, just like they did for, I believe that was Electric Park. Um, Also, we have a really active Facebook group for Worlds of Fun. Uh, one more thing, we're about two weeks out, a little bit less even, from 4th of July. Uh, big deal here in America, if you live in Europe, this is not going to affect you. (laughs) Or anywhere else in the world, actually. Um, I love 4th of July. Second favorite holiday, but closely behind Christmas. I love the summer, and barbecue, and I super love fireworks. Mostly I love this holiday because of the fireworks. However... 
a lot of Americans like to celebrate this holiday with, quote, celebrity gunfire. Do not do this. Guns are not toys. They are weapons designed specifically for killing. They are dangerous. Treating it as a toy and participating in, quote, celebrity gunfire, which is... Uh, we need another name for it because I hate that name. It's misleading and that it makes it sound not as bad as it is. Anyways, uh, if you shoot straight up in the air, thanks to gravity, when it comes back down and it has to come back down somewhere, it's the equivalent of getting shot point blank. Shooting down into the ground is also dangerous because bullets can easily ricochet even off of the dirt, uh, even straight back into the shooter. So, as I said, calling it celebrity gunfire, stupid, it's misleading. Uh, this is not acceptable behavior. It's dangerous and stupid. Please do not do it. Thank you. All right. I hope you will consider becoming a financial supporter of the show. There are several ways you can do so. You could subscribe to patreon.com slash homegrownkc or redcircle.com slash homegrownkc. You can give a one-time donation at redcircle.com slash homegrownkc or coffee.com slash homegrownkc. That's ko-fi.com. You can give as little or as much as you want, even as little as $1 a month. Once you sign up, subscribe to the show, you'll be charged that day, and then on the first of every following month. If you become a patron supporter, you get three things. An item from the merchandise store valued at $5 or less. A shout-out on every episode and social media post. Thank you for your continued support, Bjorn, Joan, and Thomas. Love y'all. And you get access to exclusive bonus content featuring other local historians, archivists, and museum curators. Everyone who simply gives a donation will receive a shout-out on the next available episode, but you do not get bonus content or anything from the merchandise store. My most recent Patreon episode was actually with Jennifer Lovesey Mast, the creator of the website worldsoffun.org. Uh, which is, as I said, where I got a lot of the information, most of the information for this topic. She and her husband also run the Worlds of Fun Facebook group. Uh, these two, especially Jennifer, have been researching and collecting Worlds of Fun history for about 30 years. Had a wonderful time speaking with her. Uh, if you become a patron, listen to the episode. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, I think I might have mentioned this at the top of the show. I really want to go to the park this summer. Uh, that will definitely be at least adventure, probably a mini sub. For every donation on coffee, ko-fi.com, 1% automatically goes to help fight climate change, which is something I'm passionate about, so I love that. If you become a patron supporter, um, those monthly donations I use to pay for like gas, getting around as I do my research, if you donate on coffee, that money is specifically going to be dedicated to new technology. Um, I would love to have a new camera for my adventures. Right now I just have a cell phone that is somewhere between 5 and 10 years old. I don't want to do the math right now. Uh, also, starting to feel like I need a new laptop. I love this baby, but she is almost 10 years old and she's running slow. If you cannot support me monetarily, I totally get it's cool. You can still support me by following and subscribing to my Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and Tumblr pages. Did I get all those? Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. Yeah, sorry. Um, also, have a YouTube channel. Please follow me, like, subscribe. Make sure to rate and review me everywhere you listen, especially on Apple Podcasts. 
You can visit my website for additional information. That's homegrownkc.wordpress.com. It is still under construction, but I am producing new content uh, a little bit as we go this summer. You can also subscribe to my newsletter from my website. In fact, that's the only place in which you can subscribe for, to my newsletter. Once a month, uh, maybe on the first Saturday of the month, you will get an email that says, here's what's going on, here's what's new, episode alert. I'm not going to email you every day. That's annoying. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or episode suggestions, you can email me at homegrownkcpodcast at gmail.com or DM me on any of my social media networks. For merchandise, visit www.zazzle.com slash store slash homegrown underscore KC underscore store. That's Z-A-Z-Z-L-E dot com slash store slash homegrown underscore KC underscore store. As always, thank you goes out to my very talented sister-in-law, Sarah McCombs, for the creation of my logo. To the Dear Misses for the use of their song Kansas City as the intro and outro music of the show. And to local libraries, which enabled me to gather all my research. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Get you off my mind. Gotta love my nerve forever.